You are listening to a sermon podcast from Kingdom City. We pray that over the next few moments, you will be blessed, equipped, and empowered to bring the reality of God to your world. Hello, Kingdom City. Welcome to online campus. Welcome to the online service. We pray you are doing well. Had a absolutely brilliant Christmas and New Year's is around the corner. Can you believe it? 2020 is almost done. My name's Mike. I'm on team here at Kingdom City and it's such an honour to bring the Word of God to you today. You know, it's really our prayer that God will challenge you, that God will move you into a place of, of changing. And as we go into 2021, I believe that God wants to do something new. He wants to do something fresh, but it absolutely requires us to go to a new place, to us to be open and vulnerable. And today I really want to preach a message that is just that. It's open It's vulnerable. I'm going to put myself out there a bit today, but I really trust that you will hear my heart in all of this and that God will be glorified. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank You for Your Word. Lord, I thank You that in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. Lord, today we lift up the Word. We lift up Jesus above all else. Lord, we pray today, God, that Jesus would be glorified in every home and in every house and in every, in, in every campus across the world today. We pray that Jesus be glorified above all else. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, today I want to preach a message and it is called Give to Given. Give to Given. And it's really taken out of the story of the prodigal son. And uh, we want to go on a journey today of the, uh, of the journey of maturity, the journey of maturity that the prodigal son went through in order to come into wholeness, to come into freedom and to be welcomed back into the family. And today we want to go through that process of his journey of maturity. And I pray that today it will also be your journey of moving forward into an amazing year. Come on, I can't say it enough. 2021, it's going to be amazing. So, uh, so if you don't know the story of the prodigal son, let me just give you a quick synopsis. You know, there was, uh, there was two sons. One of the sons came up to the father and said, Father, give me the share of my inheritance. So the father divided up equally, gave him the share of his inheritance. And then the, 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 the son went out and he partied, he had fun, he went smoking, drinking, doing all the things and shared the wealth around a bit. And, uh, and the Bible says that he shared all his wealth to the point where he had nothing. And he ended up working for a farmer and he was working in a pigsty. And I can just imagine the picture, you know, he's got an apple. He's, uh, there's half an apple. The apple's rotten. There's pigs all around him. He's starting to eat the pig food and, and he bite, takes a bite of the apple and there's half a worm in there. And he's like, oh, my life, where has my life come to? And as he's looking into that half apple with half a worm in it, he makes the decision, even my even my father's servants are treated better than this. Even my father's servants are eating better than this. They're sleeping better than this. I will return back to my father and I will ask him to make me a servant. So the Bible says that he got up and, and, and he started walking home. And, 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 and the Bible says that as the father saw him a long way off, he ran towards him. He ran towards him, he embraced him and he said to his other servants, go and, go and put a cloak on his back, you know, go and put a ring on his finger, go and kill the fatted calf. We're going to party today because my son that was lost is now home. And then it talks about the, 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 the older brother. And the older brother's like, well, father, how come you're not giving me a cloak? How come you're not giving me a ring? How come you're not killing the fatted calf for me? Why aren't you celebrating me? And then the father says, everything I have is already yours. And then Jesus goes on and he and Jesus goes on and, and, uh, and tells the story of the father saying that 
the, the, the son that was lost is now found. Such a beautiful story. And it was the conclusion of really three stories. It was the lost coin, the, the, the lost sheep and, and the lost son. And today we wanna go through that process of what it took for the, for the son to come to a place of maturity. The first point here is give me. You know, the Bible says in, uh, in Luke chapter 15, verse 12, the younger, the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property evenly amongst them. Give me my share. You know, the first place that we come to in salvation, the first place that, the first place that we come to at the start of, every, of any challenge, of any difficulty that we go through is God give me. You know, when people come forward for salvation or they receive Christ, they do, they come with this heart of give me. Give me heart is not a bad place. The give me attitude is not, is, is not, is not evil in any way. But the give me attitude, if it takes root and you don't grow from that, can actually destroy your heart. You know, we pray the prayers, God, give me the nations. God, give me this city. God, give me my neighbourhood. God, give me a wife. Give me a husband. Lord, give me finances. Lord, give me power and authority. All of these prayers are great prayers, but it's the condition of our heart that God really looks at. Why are we saying, God, give me? Let's have a look at, at, at what happens when the give me attitude takes root and starts to destroy someone's heart. In Matthew chapter 26, talking about Judas, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him into your hands? What are you willing to give me if I deliver Jesus into your hands? You see that whole give me attitude, what can I actually get from Jesus? Jesus, what will you give me? When that takes root in your heart, it can destroy you. There's another man in the Bible called Simon the Sorcerer. He also had a give me attitude. In Acts chapter eight, give me also this ability so that anyone whom I pray for will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. You see, I, I think that if one of, maybe one of the other disciples had said, Lord, give me this power, Jesus would have given it freely because their heart was to glorify God. But Simon the sorcerer's heart his heart was that he may be glorified, that through him getting from God by this attitude of give me, he wanted it for his own glory. You see, we all start there. My daughters are there. I've got three beautiful little daughters. They're so, they're so beautiful. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and my daughters are, are at an age now where it's all about give me. Dad, dad, give me toast. Dad, give me food. Dad, give me water. Dad, give me coat. Dad, give me this. Dad, give me that. All of those things are not bad. We expect it from a childish attitude. We expect it from one who is young in their maturity. But when they get older and they start saying, give me, give me, give me, that's when you know things have become out of balance. You say we should do nothing out of selfish ambition. The Bible says it in Philippians. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather in humility, value others above ourselves. You know that those words, selfish ambition, it appears in the Bible eight times in the Greek and it actually means rivalry. It actually means rivalry. So the Bible says do nothing out of rivalry. Do nothing out of trying to put yourself in front of somebody else by promoting yourself above others. We must do everything out of humility and putting others before us. So that whole thing of give me, give me, give me. Yes, we start there. Yes, that process is part of our journey, but it isn't where we end up. Let's look at the next place 
that the son came to. In chapter 17, it talks about search me, search me. The Bible talks about him sitting in that pig pen and he's, and he's saying he's searching his own heart. We have to come to a place where we say, God, you need to search me. God, you know my thoughts. You know my innermost thoughts. In, in Psalms, it, it, David says, search me, O God. You know my, you, you know my heart. Test me. You know my anxious thoughts. We must come to a place where we allow God to search our own hearts. We need to come to a place of self-realization. In Chronicles, the Lord searches all hearts. He knows all hearts. He also says that if you search for Him, you will find Him. You see, God is wanting us to come to a place of vulnerability. God is wanting us to come to a place where we open up our lives and we say, God, I, I, I reveal everything to you. God, search my heart. We must come to a place where we move from give me to search me. I was given a car just the other week and I thank God, what an amazing blessing. But what, what I found is that I took it to the mechanic and, the, and it had a leak and uh, had an oil leak. And I took it to the first mechanic and he said, yeah, mate, it's going to cost you a few thousand dollars to fix. And I didn't like the sound of that. So I went to another mechanic and then he said, yes, it's going to cost you a few thousand dollars. And I went to another mechanic and he said another thousand dollars. And, and what I could do is I could actually go from mechanic to mechanic to mechanic asking for their opinion until I find a mechanic that is actually going to tell me what is going to save me money. But how many of you know that even though I have that oil leak and although I could find someone to agree with me about the oil leak, eventually it's going to cost me. How many things in our lives that we ask the mechanic, we come to Jesus, we come to God and we say, God, search my heart, search my heart. And then God reveals something to you and says, you need to get healing in this area. You need to forgive this person. You need to lay down that bitterness. You need to, you need to go through this process of being restored and being whole. And we say, oh, I don't like that. I don't, I don't like what you're saying to me, God. And then we go and get different opinions until we find an opinion that we can agree with. I want to tell you today that God is the master mechanic, that God knows your heart. He knows your thoughts. He knows what's happening under the hood of your life more than you know about it. So allow the master mechanic to look under the hood today, to search out those areas of brokenness, to search out those areas that need healing, to search out those areas that you need to release people and get forgiveness. And you know, there's many people watching today and you've had bad things happen in your life. You know, bad things happen to good people. And I want to tell you today that there is a God in heaven that understands, He knows, and He is here to heal. And as you go into 2021, let's really believe that you're going to go in whole, that you're going to go, you're going to walk in with freedom today. You know, many years ago, it's actually when I was five years old, we had uh, we'd just moved from Africa and we moved to a, uh, a place in England, in southern England, in, in Sussex. And we, we moved down there and there was myself and my brother Richard, my mum and dad. And, uh, and I remember coming home from church one day and we came home from church and we all sat around the table for, for lunch. And my mum turns to me and says, where's Richard? And I, I don't know where Richard is. I'm five, he's three. My dad, where's Richard? You know, so he was really into hiding at that point. So we went around and we're looking under the bed, looking in the cupboards, looking around everywhere to try and find Richard. An hour passed, an hour passed and we couldn't find Richard anywhere. And we were, and you could just sense, I remember as a five-year-old, I remember it so, so vividly. 
the atmosphere got very frantic. And about an hour into the search, I heard from across the field that my dad scream out. I ran over to where the scream came from and I was standing at the top of a hill and down the bottom of the hill was a river. My dad was in the river and I arrived there just in time to see my dad take my brother's body and throw it up onto the, onto the bank. My dad then started working on him, trying to resuscitate him, but he'd been in the water for too long and it was in England, it was cold and he'd passed away. I remember from that moment, whether my dad said it or whether I took it on as a child, is I took the blame for that. You see, I was the bigger brother. I was the one that was supposed to protect him. I was the one that was supposed to play with him. And as a five-year-old, that's a hard thing to take. What happened after that was a couple of weeks later, I was at church again and the whole church had rallied around us and especially around my mum and dad. And I had this bear, it was called Rupert Bear. And um, after church, couldn't find Rupert Bear. So I'm hysterical as a five-year-old. I am absolutely hysterical. So the whole church, I mean like a few hundred people were looking for the bear everywhere. We couldn't find the bear. And again, I had realized that it was my fault, that I was responsible for losing the bear. As a five-year-old, it was put in my heart and in my immaturity, I thought that I had killed my brother and I'd lost my bear. Therefore, everything that I love, I lose. Now, I never consciously said that out loud. I never, I, I, I never meditated on that. But as a five-year-old, that's what was put into my heart. From there, we moved to Australia and life just continued on and we still remember Richard on his birthday. But many years later, after broken relationships, broken marriage, people not being able to connect with me, yeah, people, were, people hurt me and all that sort of thing and I could blame everything on everybody else. I could easily blame everything on everybody else, but what did I need to own? What was my take? What was my responsibility for the brokenness around me? I could blame everyone else for my broken, for, for, for the oil leak, but it was actually my brokenness that was hurting everybody else. So I eventually spoke with one of our pastors, actually Pastor Mervyn, and you know, for a, for a whole year, I would just go in and pour my heart out every morning out comes, out comes a box of tissues and, you know, we would just go there and go to those places that were dark, those places that were broken. And as a five-year-old, I had stopped in my growth. As a five-year-old, I would react to things as a five-year-old because that's where I was at in my life. There was a lady that I met a few years ago and I was talking to her and every response that I gave her, every question I asked her, she would react as an eight-year-old. And I was like, she's a mature lady. She, you know, she's, a, she's a proper woman. You know, she's, you know, she's very smart. She's intellectual. But every response is very sarcastic and it's very... And so I actually asked Brooke, I spoke to my wife. I said, maybe you need to go and meet with her and find out what happened at the age of eight. 
Brooke then went and spoke to her and they had coffee together and Brooke actually asked her the question, you know, what happened when you were young? And she started pouring out a heart that she was abused and she was broken at the age of eight. And so many things in her life had, she had been reacting in immaturity. You see, the reason and the way, see, I'm not telling you today about things that are broken in my life. I'm telling you things that have been healed in my life. I'm coming to you today whole. I'm coming to you today with a, with, with, with that where I've allowed God to get under the hood of my car and He's taken out the engine and He has restored everything back to new. There is no longer an oil leak behind my life. There is no longer brokenness that follows me. I wanna tell you today that if you're willing to go there, if you're willing to be vulnerable, God wants to heal you, God wants to restore you and God wants to give you life. Losing my brother was a, a painful experience, but I wanna tell you today that God is a God that heals. God is a God that restores. But I had to come to Him in point number three, in humility. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Number three, make me. Number three, make me one of your hired servants. See, we must come to God and say, God, make me. Make me the person that you want me to be. Make me whole, make me new. But God, if it means in making me, you need to break me down a little bit to, to pull out those thorns and to go into those areas that are broken, then God, make me. Are you saying today to, today to God, God, make me. Make me whoever you want me to be. Jesus says, or the Bible says in Philippians 2, that this is the attitude that we should have, the same as Christ Jesus, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made Himself in human likeness, taking on the nature of a servant. He humbled Himself to death, even death on a cross. This is where it turns. And because of that, God gave Him a name that is above every other name. And at that name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess on earth and under the earth that Jesus Christ is Lord. You see, Bible tells us to have the attitude of Christ. His attitude was an attitude of humility. We come to Him broken. We come to Him humble. You see, God resists the proud. He resists the proud. We must come to Him with humble hearts. Number four, the son says, my son, the father said, you are always with me. This is after he had said, well, how come you haven't given me? He said, God, give me. He said, Father, give me, give me, give me. But the father says, everything I have is already yours. I wanna tell you today that everything that you're asking for, everything you're saying, give me, give me, give me, God has already given it to you. You have been given sonship. You have been given Jesus Christ. You have been given righteousness. You have been given the body of Christ. You have been given adoption. You have been given forgiveness of sins. You have been given Christ. You have been forgiven freedom from condemnation. You have been given assurance through the good work of Christ. You have been given freedom from condemnation. You have been given this confidence that only comes from God. You have been given citizenship. You have been given power over the enemy. You have been given life through Jesus. You have been given this body, which is the body and the temple of God. You have been given the ministry of reconciliation. You have been given Jesus Christ in heavenly realms and you have been given time, you've been given treasures and you've been given this to steward over. You see, right now, I don't wanna end the sermon right there but because Jesus didn't end the sermon right there. Jesus actually, in the Bible, just so you know, in Bible times, 
Jesus didn't go. And now chapter 16, Jesus continues straight after talking about what we have been given in, in God. Straight after the story of the lost son, the lost sheep, the lost coin. And He goes on to talk about in the very next chapter, stewardship. Now that you have been given all of these things, now that everything I have is yours, what will you do with it? It says in chapter 16, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? You see, Jesus doesn't finish the sermon right there. He finishes it with now that you've been given, now that everything has been put on a platter for you to enjoy, what will you do with it? You see, we receive it by grace. We receive it unconditionally, but we will be judged according to our stewardship. All of us have been given time, we've been given money, we've been given relationships with talents, with our body, with rest, with kids. We've been given work, we've been given freedom, we've been given peace. And you might be given much more or much less, but we've all been given treasures in heaven. I wanna challenge you today. What are you doing with what God has given you? Many of you are broken. Many of you have come from, you know, you, you've had tragedy happen in your life. I'm not saying that my life is more tragic than anyone else. But I wanna challenge you today is, what have you done with that brokenness? Or what have you done with that healing that you've received? Because one day we're gonna stand before God and God's gonna say, well done, good and faithful servant. Yes, we're sons, yes, we're daughters, but God is looking at our servant heart, our heart of humility to do right with what God has given us. There's no condemnation in the house today. Thanks for listening to this week's message. If you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus, we want you to know that He loves you very much. So much that He died on the cross for all of your sins that stood between you and God. If you would like to make a decision to follow Jesus today, all you need to do is to repeat this prayer. Dear God, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I admit that I'm not right with you and I want to be right with you. I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe with my heart and confess with my mouth that Jesus is the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me and making me your child. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, or if God has done anything in your life because of this podcast, we would love to know. Email us at testimony at kingdomcity.com.